You are listening to a Hippily Horror Stories Patreon bonus preview. If you like what you're hearing, stick around to the end to find out how you can get more. Hillbilly Horror Stories, Listener's Stories bonus episode. Please welcome to the show, Jerry and Tracy, and you. <laughs> I just moved in my new house today. Moving was hard, but I got squared away. Bill started ringing and chain ran loud. In a haunted house. Hey guys, welcome to the October super spooky edition of Listener Stories episode. It's Halloween month. Spooky. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. So Tracy, we've got, we have four stories tonight and they include a couple of podcasters that you've heard on the show before. Very interesting to say the least. Like, one of them and one of them actually did a a um, Mormon mission mm-hmm. or Church of Latter Day Saints, depending on you know they right. don't like to be called Mormons all the time now. But they did a mission, and he was actually involved in doing an exorcism. What the what? Yeah, uh, unexpected. It was just something. Yeah, well, I'll let okay, him wait. Story you. How you just throw that on somebody? It, well, and that's and that's exactly what happened. And you'll hear when we get into okay. the story. Matter of fact, let's just lead off with that. This is Ty. And uh, you've heard his podcast, the Foggy Jack Live podcast. Of course. He's been, he interviewed us uh, mm-hmm. a while back. But let's listen to Ty real quick. I'll let him tell his story because he's going to be do better at it than I will. Hey, guys. I have a fellow podcaster on. Actually had us on doing an interview not too long ago on his podcast. Uh, this is Ty Rowley from the uh, Foggy Jack Live podcast. Ty, thanks for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. You know, we've talked a few times. Uh, one of the things that, that I like about your podcast is you definitely are no uh, stranger to trying to help out people with your platform. Obviously, Tracy and I appreciate that because we do the same thing. And, you know, a while ago, uh, probably, heck, it's probably been two years ago now or so, we, you actually had some stuff going on where you were a, a charity, the Semicolon Foundation, which we mentioned a few times on the show for trying to help people, uh, you know, through suicide prevention, stuff like that. So that was obviously big, but you've got some other stuff that you help out now, uh, on, on your podcast. Uh, tell me a little bit about the, the, what you like to support on your platform now, Ty. Um, I, I'm a big supporter of the LGBTQ community. Um, I have friends and I have family and myself, you know, we're in the community and we can see, see the problems and kind of things that are going on within the community. And so I, um, and being a haunter myself, um, I really kind of gravitate towards Haunters Against Hate, which is an organization that was set up kind of in the wake of the Pulse nightclub shooting. There were some, there were some people that said a few things that weren't, weren't right and so this organization was set up 
because they, they, they realized that there wasn't really an avenue for the LGBTQ plus people in the haunt industry. And the haunt industry is a huge kind of group of where we can go and we can be ourselves and we can, you know, we can be, we can be unique in ourselves and not have to worry about being kind of, to kind of shunned away, um, kind of like in our normal day. And so Hunters Against Hate is a huge thing that I, I support and um, really gradu- gra- gravitate towards. And then the other the other thing that I, I love to talk about and to support is called the Trevor Project. Okay. And tell me a little bit about um, the Trevor Project. Jerry and Tracy. Yeah, so the Trevor Project is a organization set up to help LGBTQ youth. And it's a it's a suicide hotline that the youth can call, just like the regular you know national suicide hotline that you guys give out every every week. Um, they have a hotline for the LGBTQ youth to go towards, and you know get the help and talk to someone and you know make sure that they're they're okay and that they can continue to be you know continue with their their lives and be happier. Awesome. And, and I know you guys do a great job on, on bringing awareness to those. And I wanted to give you an opportunity to be able to talk about it a little bit here as well. So thanks for uh, what you do. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. So let's talk a, a little bit about some stuff you got going on. You, <laughs> you, you sent me, when I said I needed some stories, you sent me one of the few times that I've ever heard this. I actually performed an exorcism. Well, yep. <laughs> you've piqued my interest, Ty. Tell me, tell me a little bit about this. All right. So when I was, um, how old was I? I was 19 and 20. I served an LDS mission. And uh, for if you don't know what the LDS is, it's, it's the Mormons. They're, that's the... The name they go by now. Yeah, Latter Day Saints. <laughs> yeah, Latter Day Saints. I went on a mission for them, um, and I served in the Caribbean, the French Caribbean. So I was on the island of Guadeloupe, and me and my companion um, met this family who used to be used to be members. That you know they were inactive and stuff, and so you know we started talking to them, and we became good friends with them. Well, one day we went over to their house, and the so there was a husband and wife, and they had two kids, and the sisters or the wife's sister was there, and she flew in from France, and um, you know we sat down, we we met her, which I can't remember her name, but um, and we were talking to them, kind of just going into a little lesson that we that we've prepared. And the husband stops us and he goes, how do you guys tell the difference between good and bad spirits? And so we kind of, you know, flipped to the the scripture that we, we knew we could talk about and started talking about it. And he goes, well, how can you tell the difference between good and bad spirits? And so we stopped for a second and he's like, we think that she's possessed. And so me and my companion kind of stopped in our tracks there, and we're like, oh, okay, this is, this is new. 
<laughs> and he's like, we want you guys to perform an exorcism on her. And me and my companion kind of looked at each other and went, well, I've never done that. So, so we called our mission president, um, kind of the, the guy in charge of us. And we talked to him and he said, yeah, you can do that. Just if you feel like you need to kick something out, kick it out. And so we were like, okay, let's, let's, let's give this a shot. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so at about this time, the sister, the sister was acting normal throughout. She was nice. We know she, uh, we met her, we talked to her for a second, but as soon as we started bringing up an exorcism, she kind of started, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. She started kind of moving kind of weird. She got really aggressive and angry. Um, and she wanted milk. <laughs> That's she, different. <laughs> yeah, she kept screaming, I want milk. Get me milk. And so finally the husband ran in and got her a glass of milk. And um, <laughs> So that was weird. And so me and my companion, you know, we get ready to kind of give her a blessing and kind of kick out whatever is in there. And so I had my companion do it because I didn't want to do it. <laughs> but, um, so we're, we're there and, you know, we put our, we put our hands on top of her head to give her a blessing. And as we start the blessing, she starts to squirm a lot more and she starts like screaming and she's like, stop, stop. It hurts. Like my back hurts. You need to stop. And so me and my companion, you know, kind of stop for a second. We look at the husband. And he's like, just, just finish it. Like, just keep going. And so, <laughs> <Court's> so <in. laughs> yeah, so we, so we, we keep going, we finish the blessing and she kind of goes back to normal. She's really quiet. She's kind of just secluded. She kind of just sits there. And as we're talking to the husband after it, he's like, yeah, so basically last night was the exorcist. Like it was a scene straight out of the exorcist, except she didn't climb up the wall. Huh. <laughs> so, so she, you know, she's talking in tongues. She, her hands were like, oh, she's doing all these weird things. She was talking in, you know, all this sorts of stuff and kind of contorting her body and stuff. And so we are like, okay, well, I think we did our job right. <laughs> I think we did this. She's kind of back to normal. We will come back later today to make sure you guys are okay. Um, <clears throat> and so we leave and we come back a few hours later. And um, before we left, they told us that they were going to bring over a Catholic priest to give another blessing, which I was like, all right, totally fine. Cover your bases. Like, I would do the same. <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm going to trust 18 and 19-year-olds to get demons out of my my house so so they called over a catholic priest we came over about the time he got there and we walked up to the porch and i could see inside the house and the priest is sitting on the couch with the sister and the wife and the husband comes out and talks to us and he's like so come to find out there were seven demons in her the good news is they're all out of the sister. The bad news is they're all now in my wife. Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and so they had, they had two little kids, one with like three and like one. Like they were really little 
And so me and my companion were like, okay, well, we'll stay out here on the porch for a while, kind of watch your kids while the priest is in there kind of doing his thing. And so we're sitting there kind of watching the kids and the, the window or the curtains are cracked so I can still see in to what all is happening. And so they have, they have the wife on the couch and the way their house was set up, it was a very like open concept. So, I mean, you could, it's, a, it's just one big room from the living room to the kitchen and it's a good 30, 40 feet from the couch to the other end of the house. So, I mean, it's a good distance. Mm-hmm. And the wife is sitting on the couch and the priest is talking to her and this is kind of when everything this is kind of when I don't, I don't know how to explain it it's kind of when everything kind of got loud I don't know how to explain it kind of you know the kind of the noise in your head gets really loud and you yeah. can't really concentrate like a ruckus yeah but it's in my head <laughs> and so you know and I'm looking at the, the wife and I can see like her hands and her body kind of contorting in weird ways and I remember distinctly hearing three knocks next to my head on the outside of the house which if you know three knocks is very significant to demonic possessions and then I watched the wife jump from the couch to the middle of the kitchen (laughs) and I hope she was fixing a sandwich yeah like it was it was a good 20-30 feet leap from sitting on the couch to in the middle of the kitchen. And the wife or the husband and the priest get up and they like kind of drag her back to the couch and like, you know, pin her to the couch. And the husband comes out and he has all of the steak knives and basically anything sharp in the kitchen. He has all of that and he comes and he puts it out on the porch and he's like, I'm going to leave this here for a while. (laughs) (laughs) And so he goes back in the house and at that point it was... It was kind of later in the night, so we're like, all right, well, we have to go, and so we, you know, we, we kind of left him there with the priest, and um, we go home. Yeah, I can't see <laughs> I blame you. I sleep in the living room with the lights on for like a week, <laughs> <laughs> and the so we didn't go back for a few days, kind of, just to kind of let everything air out, and I mean... Demonic or demonic entities can kind of stick around for a while, and so we're not, you know, I'm not too uh, too apt to kind of go back real quickly if you know there's demons running around the house. I can see and that. And so, <laughs> yeah, and so we go back a few days later. They said, you know, they told us basically, you know, finally they got out. I mean, there were seven of them in her. And then Sunday rolled around, and they came to church. So <laughs> that's got to be a good Sunday. sign. Sorry, I said that's got to be a good sign. Yeah, when they when they came to church. So, <laughs> but yeah, that is that's kind of my story of of performing an exorcism. <laughs> so you were just so let me let me ask you this: as far as Latter Day Saints. Do how do they look at demonic possession? I mean, I know it's not too much different than 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 the traditional uh, Christian faiths uh, that most of us are used to. I've, I've had a couple friends that were Latter Day Saints, 
but that's a topic I never really got into. How do they look at the subject of demonic possession? Uh, is that something that's believed in in the church? Is it something where um, they're, they call for exorcisms and stuff? What, what is the, the thought process? Um, good question. <laughs> I, I never, within the church, I never heard of people giving exorcisms, doing this kind of stuff. Um, it's never really talked about. Um, I heard a few stories on the mission, of course, of, of exorcisms and, and that sort of thing. We, uh, the church doesn't, doesn't, I'm, I'm not sure, I'm not sure how to answer this question. <laughs> it's been a while since I've kind of, kind of been with the church, so. That's, that's um, fair. Okay. But I, yeah, like, yes, we, there are demons and forces that, you know, kind of, that we're aware of within the church, you know, but I've never heard of, um, like a, like the prophet or, or a bishop giving an exorcism. I've, I don't know. It's, an, it's, um, yeah, good question. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you sharing your story with us. Tell everybody how they can listen to Foggy Jack. So the Foggy Jack Life podcast is basically anywhere you can find a podcast except Pandora. I'm not on Pandora, but I am on Spotify and Google, and I would ju just got the email yesterday that I'm on Amazon Music. Nice. Um, so yeah, I'm basically anywhere you can find you can find podcasts. And what would you say is a good description of your podcast for those of you who haven't heard it? The Foggy Jack Live Podcast is where the haunters meet the haunted. So I talk paranormal, cryptids, but I also talk about the haunt industry and basically try and tie what we can learn from the paranormal and cryptids into the haunted industry. Awesome. All right, Ty, appreciate you coming on, buddy. Awesome. Thank you much. It was a pl my pleasure. You're welcome. Thank you. So, Tracy, what do you think? You're, you're 18 years old. You're in a foreign country, and somebody just comes up to you and says, hey, uh, I basically kind of need you to do an exorcism. I mean, well, I don't, I'll be like, what? I, I don't even know how to react to that. <laughs> okay, I'm in. I don't know. Sure, why not? I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, I guess you just do what you got to do. So, next up, we've got Celeste. And Celeste is in Georgia, and she mm -hmm. tells us about a haunted park, or at least a, a situation she had in a park. And you don't hear a lot of that. A lot of times it's, you know, maybe a graveyard, maybe yes. a haunted house or something yeah. like that. Hers is actually in a park, though. So let's listen to this real quick from Celeste. Hey, guys, I got Celeste from Cleveland, Tennessee on. She's got a couple of stories from us. We got a chance to meet uh, Celeste last year at the Louisville show. Uh, thanks for coming up. Hi. Glad to be here. Thanks. So, Celeste, you've got the, the first story you've got, you've got a couple. The first one is one that's in a park, and it might be the first one we've actually had uh, on the, the Listener Stories episodes that, that uh, had to do with out in the park. So I'm anxious to hear this one. So I'm just going to turn it over to you and let you tell your story. Okay, cool. Um, I was probably eight or nine years old. There is a community park here in Cleveland, Kinsley. Um, it's very popular. It's huge. It's got a swimming pool, tennis court. They do baseball and softball games there. 
There's a dog park. It's a whole big thing. Mm-hmm. So one area of the park is a walking trail that goes through the woods. Um, and going down through there, it has little exercise stops along the way where you can do little things. It's a half a mile down into the woods. It's got a circle at the end, and it's a half a mile back so that you know you've walked a mile. Mm-hmm. And this was the middle of summertime. I'm thinking it was like July, August, because it was very hot outside. And normally the place is packed because it was probably about five or six o'clock in the afternoon. And we're walking down the trail, no big deal. But what was weird was we did notice there was nobody else on the trail, um, which is odd. But the rest of the the park had lots of people in it. So we're walking, walking. I'm doing little extra things going down through there. And when we get to the end of the trail where the loop is at, we both stopped dead in our tracks, and we were looking at each other because we were talking, and it was like I just hit a wall of some kind of weird feeling. And being eight or nine years old at that time, I had no idea of what was going on. So we both kind of craned our heads in front of us and looked, and at the end of the trail, another thing that was weird was it had gotten cold, it was extremely cold. It was July. It was like 90, 100 degrees outside. We were sweating from walking. But it got really cold and dark. And it was nowhere near time for the sun to be set in the middle of the summertime. But when we looked in front of us, at the opposite end of the circle was this shadowy figure. Now, we, we think it was probably about nine feet tall. Ooh, and it was huge. And it looked like it had a monk's robe on and if you looked where its face should have been, it was darker than dark. It was black, like a void. Like there was nothing at all there. Like it sucked in any light or anything that was in there. And so we kind of froze for just a few seconds, I know, but it seemed like forever because we were shocked. But my mom, she just whispered, run. And we <laughs> ran all the way back to the car. I don't even really remember running to the car. I remember getting to the passenger side of the car and yanking on the car door. And this was the 80s, and everybody had the locks where you had to get in and unlock it from the driver's side whenever they got in or whatever. So yep. I was waiting on my mom to get in and hurry up and unlock my door, and I'm jerking, jerking, jerking on the door. And when I finally get in, I slam the door closed. We just sat there. Like, we were numb and confused and <laughs> scared. And had no idea what it was that had just happened. And we drove home in complete silence, and we never spoke about it until about maybe 10 or 15 years ago. It came up in a conversation because it's weird that we just kind of blocked it at that time. Uh, I think it was information at that time that we didn't really know what to do with. And we've talked about it since then, but we both agree exactly on what happened that day, what we saw, how it made us feel. It was just really, it really was like an extraordinary experience because after that, which before that I'd had some little things that had happened to me, but since then and growing up, I had a lot of things that have happened to me. I have many of the care and I have a better understanding things that happen and the normal things like that, but that probably is one of the most impactful things that have 
happened to me and my wife. And it's odd enough that it was, I know that it was, that it was just pure evil. And I do believe some kind of a demon. Well, I mean, it sounds like it. I mean, because a lot of times, like when you were talking about the fact that it was um, like pitch black, that's a lot of times when you start, you know, shadow figures are one thing, but when they have that deep black to them, a lot of times they're, they are kind of tied to more of a demonic type setting. Right, right. And just the fit, weird, because that feeling that we had stopped us both dead in our tracks at the exact same time. We stopped talking at the exact same time. Both felt it. And I believe that's where our personal souls ran into the energy of that demon and it just kind of I think it kind of shocked your field Dan um, and it just brought us dead to a stop. I never felt anything like that I've seen a couple things that made me feel a little bit but nothing like that not ever like that Understandable. Well, I, I could be, it kind of makes you wonder, like, you know, Tracy doesn't like going out in like any of the parks or anything at night, even though it's not necessarily the woods or hiking trails. And a story like that would keep her from even going during the day. So, <laughs> No, it's funny because I did not ever go back to that trail ever again until like two years ago. The job that I have now, I take care of disabled people and Sometimes we get them out, go riding around, or we'll go to the dog park. And one of the first days that I was at this job, we had to take them to the dog park, which is right beside that walking trail. And I was like, I have not been here since I was eight or nine years old. And they were like, why? And so I told them the story, and they were like, oh, no, we're leaving. <laughs> so we left. They don't make me go to the dog park. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got time for another quick one. What else you got for us? I know you got a couple. Um, yeah, I was trying to debate on one about seeing, um, someone in a mirror and later finding out that they had died or a lot that I saw that followed me. Um, do you have a preference which one you want to hear? No, surprise me. Okay. So this one's short because I know you got a lot of others, but the house that my parents live in now, they bought about 25 years ago and they bought from a couple, um, an older couple. And the lady, I just happened to work with her in a factory at the time, so I knew her. But it was their dream home that they bought together. It's out in the country. It's private. It's cute. Um, surrounded by, like, fields and a little pond and all kinds of stuff. So they were selling their house because he had cut down with yeah, And her being older, his dementia progressed. It was harder and harder for her to keep up with him and work and the property and everything that went along with it so they were selling it my parents went out for a drive and they found it um so they bought the property and um the sparks that was their name they moved out of course and it was weird because i come home one day and in the dining room my mom has this mirror that's huge that's right behind her dining room table and i saw mr sparks in the mirror and he looked at me, and I looked at him, and I knew exactly who he was. I had never met him before. I met her, but I never met him. And I said, how you doing, Mr. Sparks? And he kind of just, like, tipped his head to me a little bit and faded off. And so when my mom came home, I told her, I said, I saw Mr. Sparks. And she was like, how did you see Mr. Sparks? And I told her, I said, he was in the mirror. And she said, he passed away, like, two weeks ago. Oh, wow. And I said, well, I guess he's home to visit then. <laughs> 
Yeah, but I've never seen them or anything like that since then. There was, you know, a few times in her house that we would sense something or something would kind of be moved or you hear like walking around in the attic sometimes. And I always figured that was probably him just checking things out and seeing how the house was doing. Well, that's pretty cool. See, I like stories like that. Just little, little yeah. quick ones. Give me another quick one. You got you got time. Um, I've got one where I was probably like 22, 23 when you're that age, you know, you're into like partying with your friends and hanging out and having fun. I'd been in Chattanooga, which is about 30 miles um, west of here, and been to a party. And on my way home, I was about a mile from the house, out where my parents lived, and my car broke down. I caught a flat. So I pulled over into like a little um, pull-in where people pull their tractors in their gates and stuff. I just pulled off right there. I got out of my car, and it was the new moon, so it was completely black outside. There was no moon, no light. Of course, I'm young, I'm stupid, I don't carry a flashlight, an emergency kit. So I start walking, and I'm getting this feeling like something is looking at me. And so it's hard to see because even back then we didn't have cell phones. You know, nobody has cell phone. We all had pagers. So I didn't have a flashlight with a cell phone on and, or a cell phone with a flashlight on it. So I'm walking, and I stop, and I start looking around. I'm thinking there's um, there's coyotes in the woods. I'm thinking there's a coyote that's, like, stalking me or a dog or something. And I'm kind of looking. And when I turn around and look behind me in the road, there is a light that's probably about a foot in diameter around. And it's see-through, but it's green. It's like a a green orb cover mm-hmm. was about six or eight feet behind me and I could clearly see it because it was so dark and it was the only thing that was lit up was that light and I looked at it and I said if you are here to protect me I thank you I appreciate it if you're here to try to harm me you are not welcome around you stay away from me because <laughs> I knew I still had to walk home and I was by myself <laughs> <laughs> so I just continued my walk and every once in a while I looked behind me and it followed me all the way home it never got any more than 6 or 8 feet from behind me um, the next morning I told my mom what happened and my dad what happened and one of my brothers came to pick me up out, and I told him what happened so we were out and gone all day long and then that night on the way home he was driving his car and we were almost to my mom's driveway, and he said, look in the rearview mirror. And I said, what? And I turned around and looked out the back window instead, and there was that green light. Oh. And it followed us again down the road, and that was the only two times I ever saw that green light. I don't know what it was. They're out in the country, there are a couple little country cemeteries real close to where my mom lives. So I don't know if it was something from one of the cemeteries, or if it's some kind of energy that lives in the woods. I would love to know what that was because I don't have a clue. Yeah. Some things are probably better left unknown. <laughs> <laughs> I had talked to uh, Dave Schrader about it one time. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. Of course. But he said that he thought possibly that and this was something I did not expect for anybody to say, but he said that sometimes aliens and scouts and he's heard of scout locks that look like that. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Not welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> yeah. No, I love Dave. Dave, uh, I talked to Dave. I'm trying to get Dave on the show. Uh, it's tough with his with his show that's out. Uh, mm-hmm. 
you know, they with a lot of times when you have a big show like that, he he said he could come on, but he probably couldn't talk about that show because of you know he has to get pr- approval and all that stuff. So he's really amazing. I used to listen to the Darkness Radio with him and Tim all the time. I just love their show, and he's he's one of the paranormal investigators that not a baggins. You know, yeah. he's actually like I know he's worked with him. But he's actually like really like an honest person who is looking for truth, and if it's not there, he's not make something up to say that it is because he wants to see it just as bad as i do so right but he used to do some stuff with them though so yeah yeah he has done some stuff with them and i know he's friends or whatever and and i wish you know them no ill will anything like that anything i think that they have got some things that were more truthful than what they do now but it was things that started out in the beginning more so than now, but yeah. just a personal opinion. You know what they say about those. Now, Dave's a Dave's a great guy. He's uh, if you follow him on social media, especially his Facebook page, he's always asking for prayers for somebody. So I mean, he's yeah. got that kind of a heart, and I know he's, you know, he's had his his share of uh, of health problems and stuff in his family. Um, so yeah, he's he's a great guy, man. I, I he's definitely a very humble individual to be where he's at in, uh, in the oh, field. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. He even call you on your birthday and tell you happy birthday. I've gotten birthday messages from him, you know, on Messenger and stuff. And I'm like, you, the big shot that you are, take it out just to say happy birthday to somebody like me. I, you know, it, it, he is, oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, he's a class act. Uh-huh, he is. Speaking of class act, Celeste, thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. Hey, anytime. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate you um, calling me and let me be a part of the show. I love so I've been listening forever. You and Tracy are amazing. Ninja's little butt is cute. Uh, I wish y'all well. But we appreciate really it. We appreciate it. Yeah. Anytime. All right, dear. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Have a good day. So it was like I was telling her, I can't even get you to go into the woods. And now if you think there's ghosts and stuff in parks, I can't. I won't even get you to go there either in the daylight. <laughs> well, maybe in the daylight, but never at night. Never. Ever. I think you've made that abundantly clear. Ever. And we're supposed to be going to the Gates of Hell Cemetery tomorrow. Um, That does not include me. You're going. I am not going to that place. <laughs> you done lost your mind. Well, maybe so. All right, so this next story I found extremely interesting because Brianne... Who, who gave us these awesome coasters that we're using right here. They on are, our, I love these coasters. Thank you table. so much. She's got a, a house in West Virginia, and this house is for sale right now. She sent me some pictures of it. That There's a house that she grew up in that was haunted, or at least she lived in for a while, mm-hmm. and she's got some really cool stories and learned some back history on it. Oh. So I'll let her tell you about it. But this house is for sale, and she, you know, she said she'd like to buy it, but it looks like it needs a lot of work. So by yeah. the time you bought it and put the money into mm-hmm. it, but... It's pretty cool thought anyway. So she wanted to turn it into like a bed and breakfast. And it's like a small town, she said, like a little bit small town. So. Oh, that would be nice. Yeah. So let's listen real quick to Brianne. Hey, guys, we got Brianne on from Georgia. And she came to the Pigeon Forge show we did not too long ago and brought us some beautiful University of Kentucky coasters, which we use in the studio. Brianne, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, you're welcome. And you actually, you were one, uh, one of the Jaws giveaway uh, DVDs, right? Right. Okay. It's cool. awesome. 
Awesome. We went and saw it on the big screen uh, about three weeks ago when the movie started, uh, theater started opening up again. They were had all these old movies, I guess, to just try to get, at least get some people in. And we went and saw Jaws. It was my first time that I got to see it on the big screen. It's one of my favorite movies, so it was really cool. It was like I'd never seen it before. Yeah, we were going to do that, but for some reason we didn't, and then it was gone the next week. So. <laughs> yeah, that's all about jumping on opportunities when they come at you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you got some stories to talk about um, with some coins and, and the relationship with your grandfather. So tell us a little bit about uh, what you got going on. Okay. So we're going to go back in time to 1996. And uh, unfortunately, my grandfather, which I called my peepaw, um, he passed away four days before my 17th birthday. And I was really close to my people. He was a very quiet man, which is unlike me, but he was always fun to talk to because he would tell you all these very interesting stories about when he grew up and he was in um, World War II. He was an airplane mechanic and he would talk about working on these huge airplanes and he was just interesting to talk to and he was also really good at board games. But one quirky thing about him is he liked coins. He was kind of a coin collector. And he became obsessed with those drummer boy quarters. So much to the fact that, like, he owned a business. And every night he would go through all the quarters to try (laughs) to find those quarters. Because he thought one day they were going to be worth money. Um, And so I used to go to the shop during the summer sometime. And I would hang out with him. And at the end of the day, that was my job. I would go through these drummer boy quarters. Or go through the quarters looking for those. And, um... So it was really sad because this is the first grandparent I had that I was like really, really close to that had passed. And then you're fixing to go into your senior year, which is a fun time, but it's kind of a crazy time because you're having to make like important decisions about your future. And so he passed away and it was just like, it was earth shattering to me as an almost 17 year old. So going into a time that really should have been like this really fun time. I had fun, but I always had that little like sadness kind of in the back of my mind thinking about like, you know, my people should be here for this. Like he should be here to see me do this or whatnot. And um, so the night before my graduation, I was really stressed out and I had a dream that was the most vivid dream I've ever had in my entire life that I was in the shop and I could even like smell the smell. It was an auto parts store and auto parts stores have that smell to them that I can't explain. It's like oil and grease and like just got a strange smell to it. And we were sorting through the quarters and he gave me a drum board quarter and he said, it's going to be all right. And I woke up and I could still like smell that smell. And I really felt like he was in the room with me when I woke up. And I was like, wow, that's the craziest dream I've ever had. So the next day I wake up and it's pouring down rain. And we're supposed to graduate on the football field. And I was upset because I didn't get to do that. So I go, I drive to the school and I'm like, I really want something to drink before I go and sit at graduation for like countless numbers of hours. So I stop at a gas station. And I just grabbed like $2 out of my purse because I knew like a bottle of Mountain Dew was like a dollar and something. And it came up to like a $1.75 or something. 
And anyway, I got quarterback in change, and it was actually a drummer boy quarter. And I kept that quarter for a really long time. I don't know where whatever happened to it. It got lost to the world somehow. But it just it reiterated to me that, like, my people was there. And that was kind of like a sign, like, he was going to be there that day, even though he wasn't physically there. He was there with me. And I don't think you really see those drumming boy quarters that much anymore. But back in that time, you saw them a lot more. And every time I would get one, it would seem like it would correlate with something that was going on in my life. Like, you know, like I had an engagement that was broken and I got a German boy quarter back in some change one time. And that just made me know that my people was there. And like when I graduated from college, I got one and it's just kind of a random thing that pops up, even though you don't see them that often anymore. So that's my story. Well, I, I love those kind of stories. And every time... Every time that I hear a story that has to do with the coins like that, it just, I don't know, it just it just kind of reinforces to me that loved ones do reach out like that. Right. And it was very comforting, especially like when I was, you know, it was really still fresh. That was what I needed because, you know, kind of a freaky time when you're sure. trying to make life decisions and you're not even an adult yet, technically. <laughs> But yeah, I'm glad to know he's always been there. And I still feel him around, even though I haven't gotten one of those quarters in a long time. I just think they don't really exist very much, but I don't, I still I don't, feel him around. I can't even place what they look like, to be honest with you. It's been so long since I've seen one. So, yeah, it would be very odd, I would think, to be able to just randomly get those like that. Right, yeah. And even back then, like in the 90s, you didn't get them too often. But, you know, to get one nowadays, I think would be like almost impossible they're probably all like squirreled away somewhere <laughs> right <laughs> all right well brian thanks so much for for coming on and and once again thanks for the gift that you gave us back in pigeon forge and hopefully we'll see you sometime soon all right thank you so what do you think do you think so you find out that this house has quite the history mm-hmm. with dead bodies and stuff like that in there is that some place that you would want to go back and buy and fix up make into a bed and breakfast Probably not. I mean, yeah, in a way, I think there's just more sadness there than scary, probably. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I don't know. Probably wouldn't be a bad idea. So, well, we'll end on this one. Shayla's going to come on, and you've heard uh, Shayla's podcast on here before, Show Me Scares. They live in Missouri, and she's got a bunch of cool stories. So, let's listen Sounds to Shayla. great. Hey, guys, I got Shayla from Show Me Scares podcast. On. She's been on before. She is a listener favorite. We had a lot of, of great comments the last time she was on, and I know a lot of you have been listening to their show. And if for some reason you're new and haven't heard us talk about uh, Show Me Scares podcast, Shayla, why don't you tell everybody kind of what the show is about? Sure, absolutely. Thank you for having me again. I enjoy coming on. So basically we do paranormal and true crime um, from Missouri. So we we live in Missouri. We were born and raised in Missouri, so we stick to uh, this region. And uh, every now and then we do one on the road where we will do something outside of Missouri. But for the most part, we stick to Missouri, and we like to do as old as possible when it comes to the true crime. So you haven't heard it a million times already. Right. Well, you were telling me that you've got a story 
that kind of ties into your podcast based on uh, uh, you know a story you guys did and got some listener feedback, which kind of you know one thing led to another. So I'll let you tell the story because you obviously know it way better than I do. But uh, <laughs> tell me about this paranormal experience that you had. Sure. So I was. 18 years old, just out of high school, and I did not work when I was a teenager. Um, I played a lot of sports. I was involved in a lot of activities in school, and so it was really important to my parents that I did not work until after I was out of school. So that was my first job, really, and I worked in this older building, and it was a restaurant, but it was also this old-fashioned soda fountain, so I don't know if you know what that is. Um, so yeah, old fashioned soda fountain where you actually mix the syrup and the, uh, the carbonated water separately, um, and literally make sodas for people. Um, and everything was pretty much original to the building. Um, it was very old. (laughs) And so I hadn't really had, I wouldn't say any kind of experience with ghosts (laughs) until this point. And Right after I started, they fired the entire crew except me and let me be head cook. At 18 years old, mind you, first job. (laughs) That's terrifying enough. But so we had my boss was this older man who drank a lot and smoked a whole lot. And so he had this smoker's cough. And you know what I mean? The clear in the throat all Mm -hmm. the time. Um, So one morning... I'm in there getting breakfast ready, and I clearly hear that in front of me. And I think he's come in, you know, he's, he's come through the door and he's coming in to check on things. And this is very early in the morning. I got there at 5.30 every morning, probably, and, and had everything ready by 6 when we open. And so i go on about my business and then i hear it again pretty close to me and i think it's very weird that he hasn't said anything and so i I look up from what i'm doing and there was no one there and the sound that i just heard was 10 feet in front of me if that i knew someone was in the very room within the kitchen with me so (laughs) that was interesting and so that morning I kept hearing different times I would hear footsteps and stuff. And this was one of the first mornings I was there by myself. So I thought, I'm creeping myself out. There's nothing to it. And then uh, a cart that was sitting next to me, that sat next to the sink for um, bringing back dirty dishes, it rolled a little bit. <laughs> And at that point, I was like, okay, I'm just going to go sit up front where there's a lot of lights by the front door until someone else comes in because I was over being there by myself (laughs) at that time. Um, And then, so I would say a few weeks later, I'm again back there by myself working early, early in the morning. And this girl comes in. um, she's, She's our waitress. And she has long, dark hair. She she always has it tied back in a really tight ponytail for working with food, obviously. But I heard the door up front, the bell playing, and then just didn't pay attention just out of my peripheral. So I walk in and start messing around up front, getting things ready. And after a while, I looked up because I was going to go get some coffee and all that. And I don't see her. And so I go walking all through, and I can't find her anywhere. 
And um, about the time that I circled back around into the front of the dining room, uh, another server comes in the front door, and uh, I ask her, are, are you both supposed to be here today? Because I just saw Missy here. And she says, no, it's just me. And so that girl that I had seen walking around in there, she was never there. There was no one else in the building when I was there. Um, and that was interesting because I had seen something that time. And so, of course, I started talking to some of my coworkers about this. I'm like, hey, I, you know, I've seen some things. I've heard some things. I don't really know where I stand on this. I've heard stories all my life, but I've never had anything happen. And sure enough, the stories started coming out. Yeah, yeah, we see this, this woman walk by the door in the dining room. She's got long, dark hair, and, and, and you just catch a glimpse of her out of the corner of her eye. But you can tell, you know, all of these things about her. Um, so it, it was really interesting to hear the stories come from other people describing exactly what I had seen, pretty much. What about and, the, what about the guy's yeah. cough that you were hearing? Was that there's there more to that part, or is that just something that just happened that day? Not really, and I think there were some things that would happen. Things would get moved and stuff like that back in the kitchen area, and in the those stairs that went down into the basement. Let out of the kitchen and there just weird stuff that would happen there. We always attribute it to him because we never saw him, but he kind of seemed like he just picked on people, um, just kind of a jerkster kind of funny guy. Um, but no, no one ever saw him. He was only heard from time to time, and the footsteps definitely um, were more hard than maybe a woman would walk. Um, so that's we attributed all that to him. See, I thought you were and, gonna I thought you were gonna lead me down when you were talking about the manager and the smoker's cough and then you hearing that. I thought you were gonna lead me into you heard that and there wasn't nobody there and then you found out that, you know, that guy, the manager got killed in a car wreck or something, and that that's what I thought we were gonna go with that one, so Oh, no, no, no. Um, no, he's still alive now, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I was quite fond of him, so I'm glad that didn't happen to him. Um no, but what was what's interesting about all this is I was telling this story on the podcast as one of our listener episodes. Uh, sometimes I fill it with some of my stories because I have a ton. And uh, I had a listener reach out to me from that area and said, hey, you need to look into that building because I think you're going to find some history that's pretty interesting with what you just told. And so I did. Uh, immediately, I was up half the night. <laughs> Um, looking up history on this building because I was so excited about that. And so what happened was back in the 40s, this 17-year-old um, girl actually murdered both her parents. And her father ran a store out of that building and had found sodas there, everything. I've seen the pictures, but it's, it's super cool to see the building. It's not much different from the way that I remember it. And she actually snuck in he, her father slept in the store at night and to guard because they had some burglar issues and she actually hid out in the store one night after she had killed her mother because she was scared he was going to find out about it and she shot him while he was sleeping shot him in the head and then she rolled his body behind the cot that he was sleeping on and 
pushed it against the wall, and then laid down and slept on that cot. There were at least two different nights she slept on that cot over her father's body Ugh. in that building. So, yeah, it was it was a uh, it was super interesting to find that information. Um, I do know that the cool thing that I found about her too was the mention in the papers over and over again about her long, dark, beautiful hair. And so that, I don't know, I'm I'm assuming her mother may have had the same hair, Um, but that was pretty interesting to find as well, that that we had seen this woman with long, dark hair, and that was what was being described in the papers, Um, you know, all these years later that I find that information. Very cool. (laughs) Well, so, so... How old, or how long, what years did you say that was when the murder took place? About? It was 1948. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. It just yeah. amazes me, people that have the ability to kill their parents. Now, I understand if you've got very abusive parents, you know, like some of these, you know, horror stories you hear out there. I could definitely understand, you know, how somebody could do that, like the Menendez brothers or something like that. But I just... <laughs> I just can't understand the average person that just, you know, well, I wanted to get to my inheritance early or I wanted to, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like, what is wrong with somebody? You know, this is, the, it's interesting you say it because the, the crazy thing about what started all this, the argument that she got into with her mother that caused her to kill her was because her mother wanted her to do laundry that day. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, I mean, clearly there were some issues going on there. Uh, that's not, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Teenagers are crazy, but I, that's a little far out there. <laughs> so, well, I guess, yeah. I guess, you know, if you just don't want to do laundry, you don't want to do laundry. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's pretty badly not wanting to do laundry. <laughs> I mean, I've got on Tracy about doing laundry. She just lets it sit, but she's never tried to kill me or anything. Not that I know of. Well, I mean, you're lucky. You didn't know that, but. <laughs> all right well shayla i appreciate you coming on once again it's the show me scares podcast and you do that with your wife and the show is fantastic i highly recommend it if you haven't listened to it thank you very much for saying that well you're welcome and we'll talk to you soon all right thank you bye so again like ty shayla's 18 years old she's got her first cooking job she's in there by herself she hears people milling around and coming in here's uh, somebody clearing their throat and there's nobody there and yeah. then she sees a woman that is not there and then come to find out other people that work there all express seeing the same woman no kidding with the, the same you know looks and everything yeah. i mean that's creepy in its own right it's right. it's one thing if somebody tells you hey the place is haunted and there's a right. ghost and then you see something where you could say well maybe it was implanted yes but when you tell somebody and they're like oh yeah we all know oh yeah uh, hello why don't you tell me ahead of time <laughs> <laughs> we want you to have a good experience all on your own <laughs> so guys as usual we appreciate everything you do for us your kindness your donations uh, your supporting the show allows us to be able to make a living doing what we love to do, which is podcasting. So I just wanted to say a very big thank you to you guys. And don't ever think that we take you for granted because we never will. Ever. Never, never, never. We appreciate you guys so much more than you'll ever know. Yeah, we 100% know that we are nothing without you. 
And oh, that's man. That's 100% met. That's the truth. That is a great statement. So, all right, guys. Thank you so much, and we'll see you soon. All right. We love you guys. Hey, guys. If you like what you just heard, we do six of those small bonus episodes every single week. We also do two full-length bonus episodes every month. We do a listener stories episode, and then a story that's just, just like the ones you would typically hear on the regular feed. If you're interested in supporting us on Patreon, just go to patreon.com and look up Hillbilly Horror Stories or go to hillbillyhorrorstories.com and there's a direct link right there. Thank you guys so much for what you do for us.